0: Before we dive into today's episode, I do want to thank my friends over at Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring this episode. God's Word is meant to be engaged with. None of us would disagree with that, but sometimes the thought of engaging with Scripture can be overwhelming. The publishers of the Christian Standard Bible translation get that. That's why they are committed to providing accessible ways to engage with God's Word in your day-to-day life. They have podcasts, social media, the CSB Study app, and Bible Editions, all built to help you find ways to engage with your Bible more. You can learn more about the CSB Bible at csbible.com. Again, that's csbible.com. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Grant, so excited that you're hanging out with us today, man. For the audience who may not be familiar with you, tell us who you are and uh, what you're up to these days. Jared, thanks
1: for letting me hang out with you, man. So uh, I run a company called The Speaker Lab, where we teach people how to find and book paid speaking gigs. And uh, so that's the core of what we do is I've been in the speaking industry for over a decade uh, as a professional speaker. And now on the, the teaching and training side of it, there's a, a no shortage of people who are interested in speaking. And so that's the, the core of what we do. But way more important than that, uh, husband to my high school sweetheart, Um, we started dating, uh, my freshman year of high school. I was a freshman. She was a junior. Come on now. Somebody get excited.
0: Dang. I I
1: know. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Blessing and a curse. Uh, so we, we got married and been, been together for, been married for coming up on our, actually in a couple days at the time of this recording is our 18th uh, wedding anniversary. And we got married, um, on our fifth, uh, fifth anniversary of dating. So we've been together 23 years. Um,
0: Holy cow, dude. What are you? 70?
1: Uh, Let's see. No, no, not even quite. Uh, Although she did turn this past year, she turned 40. So I'm holding that over her head. I was born in 81. She was born in 79. Uh, So I'm like, you're literally a whole nother decade. Like what were the 70s (laughs) like? I don't even know what it was like. Uh I definitely remind her of that. But uh yeah, married to my high school, sweetheart. And then we have three beautiful girls. So it's me and a houseful of women, which is uh which is awesome.
0: Yeah, dude. That's so fun. Well, I want to give the listeners a little backstory um to just you and I and our how we met. Uh I was ended up following you and just everything that you got going um online, listening to your podcast and seeing what you were doing with the speaker lab. Way back in the day when I first started speaking, I was just like, Man, if I'm gonna get serious about speaking well. Uh, I want to get help in this. And so I was following your stuff. And then I ended up working with you for a little bit and uh, with on the speaker lab and helping people figure out how to grow their own speaking business. And then you and I just became friends. And one yeah. thing that stuck out to me, man, was you're just, you're a good dad. I mean, you're a good dude, like in general, <laughs> like you're just a, you're a good boss. You're, you're sharp and you're, you know, you're, you're talented in many ways, but what really stuck out to me is just how well you do at like being a, a dad, man. Like you're, you're stepping into that. Did, was your dad around growing up? i never asked you that. Yeah, no, he was. He's
1: actually, I've got a great relationship with my dad. Um, uh, my parents got a divorce when I was like my freshman year of high school or so. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of three. I got a younger brother, younger sister. So it definitely like, I, like it was a pretty rough patch there. Um, and I think that also like really impacted, um, you know, my wife and I, cause uh, we started dating right around the time that they split. I don't think us us dating had anything to do with it. Hopefully, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and then and then um, uh, and then my wife's parents split um, wow. uh, a couple years later, and so we we kind of experienced that together as you know a teenage couple. Uh, so I think we kind of also grew up knowing that like we both have good relationships with each of our parents individually, uh, but we also were like yeah, we don't want to end up like that. And yeah. marriage is hard and marriage is difficult. And thankfully we really like each other, but some days are smoother than others. And we get, we're in this, we got to make this work. So yeah. it's just kind of like, uh, even a couple of weeks ago, we had a rough stretch. So just, you know, like an off week type thing. We're like, Hey, we're in this. So we got to get through this <laughs> one way or the other. There's no exit strategy. There's no, you know, abort mission here. So, yeah. um, yes, yeah, so I, I had, a, I had slash have a great relationship with my dad, um, he was an entrepreneur, so I think that that also kind of impacted me, uh, really taught me the value of hard work and, and, um, uh, you know, just doing a good, good job and, and earning, um, earning
0: and, and providing for, you know, your family. So, yeah. uh, yeah, solid dead. Did the, uh, did the divorce catch you off guard or were you, did you see it coming?
1: No, it definitely caught me off guard. Um, mm. because at the time I didn't know, um, uh, I didn't know anybody else whose parents were divorced, so wow. it was just it was something I felt a lot of embarrassment and, and shame about. Of like, mm. granted, I I recognized right away. Like, I know some some people kind of internalize like, "Oh, it's my fault," or "I did something wrong." Like, I knew I had nothing to do with it, um, right. and it wasn't wasn't my fault, and in uh, any way, wasn't my siblings' fault. You know, it was their issues. Um, but uh, still, it's just like it's kind of embarrassing, you know, as a teenager, you're like, wait, everybody else's parents were still together. And like, even now looking back, there's, there's, uh, you know, friends that I had at the time who, whose parents were just seemed like super rocky. And you're like, how did they make it? But my parents, <laughs> didn't, you know, same thing. Uh, but at the time, at the same time, like now, you know, decades later, um, it just, it kind of is what it is. And, and, um, you know, it's, it, it sucked at the time, but y- you, you, I think, uh, I think at this stage of life, like I've known them longer apart than
0: I did knowing wow. them together, you know? Wow. So I'm just yeah. kind of, it is what it is. My, uh, my buddy came over for the Super Bowl and he was telling me about the, uh, Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, we just like, watched that. Did you? Yeah. Super yeah. fascinating. So he's like, dude, you got to watch this. And, uh, so I, I spent, I had, like binge watched the other night, stayed up way too late and watched all three parts of that docu-series. And mm-hmm. all the stuff, I mean, I won't spoil it for people who want to go watch it. There's a lot of complexities to that, like his story, Aaron Hernandez story. but just the dad role, like the role of a dad, yeah. and just seeing even other characters within that uh, documentary who talked about their dad. I'm just like, man, so many things can be boiled back down to like the relationship with the dad. And I'm just I was just remind, I, I was like sober for me, like sobering for me to realize, there's so many things I want to chase and there's like lots of dreams and all these things I want to go after. But just like at the end of the day, like I just want to be a good dad, man. Like it's going to affect my kids and their kids and their kids. It's just like, it's a big deal. Um, so yeah, that's why I was, the like one thing that, that really clicked for me, I think early on, like as a dad was, I think,
1: um, uh, so I have, I have only girls and, um, you know, at the time, at the time of this recording, you know, we just had the recent tragic passing of, of Kobe Bryant and his mm-hmm. daughter. There's kind of the hashtag girl dad thing going around. And, um, and just, I mean, obviously like an incredibly, incredibly tragic deal, just horribly sad. Uh, and so it just kind of reminded me like, uh, when my wife was pregnant and I, I put this in like a, a Facebook or Instagram post or something, but when my wife was, was very first pregnant, I think like as a guy, like you always want like a little dude, you know, it was yeah. my little buddy, my little sidekick type thing. Um, and now like fast forward to today with, with three daughters, like I wouldn't know what to do with a son. Like <laughs> I absolutely love being a girl dad. Like it's, it's the best. And, yeah. um, uh, and so I remember early on, I think maybe you read this in a book or just heard this somewhere. That the most important, most influential uh, relationship that a woman will ever have in her entire life is with her dad. Hmm. And it just really hit me. It was just like, oh crap, like more than any, more than a future husband, more than an employer, more than a best friend, more than her mom, more than a sister uh, is on me. Uh, and so just the, both the weight of that and the opportunity of that of like, yep. Oh dang, I better not screw this up. Um, yep. because this is a really, really, really big deal. Um, yep. and I, I, I absolutely, you know, like I love entrepreneurship. I love what I get to do. I love the, our team. I love the, the people who get to help. Um, but I, and I love being a dad. It's yeah. really, uh, uh it's, 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 when it's good, it's really good. When it's bad, <laughs> it's really bad.
0: Uh, but it's, it's, it's the best. It really is. Well, you do a good job at it, man. One thing that stuck out to me is you do like these uh, daddy daughter trips um, mm-hmm. that I always see posting about. Like, how did, tell us about that and like how it started. Yeah. So, um,
1: so I mentioned that I, I used to do uh, quite a bit of speaking. I was doing 60 or 70 speaking gigs a year and really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. The part of the challenge, though, is I was, you know, having to get on a plane and travel a lot. And, and, yeah. um, and I think there's like, people think, Oh, you're just gone constantly. I was like, yeah, but I'm also, I was, I was home a lot. Um, so even if it was like, if I was comparing the amount of time home or time spent with family to, uh, someone who just had like a, a traditional, you know, nine to five job, uh, I, I was, I was home a lot. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so as the girls were getting older, like more and more, uh, I had a, a speaker friend who, uh, a lady who had a teenage son and she was, she was taking her son on trips all the time. And I was like, man, I want to, I want to take one of my girls on a trip, on a speaking trip where they can come tag along with dad. Like, that'd be so cool. But it's one of those things like, um, like you understand this from a speaking perspective. Like they got to be at an age where you know, they can be somewhat self-sufficient because yeah. you're standing on stage doing a thing. So it's not like you can be doing that and babysitting at the same yeah. time, you know, so yeah. they need to be fairly self-sufficient. You want to be at like a, a cool venue or a cool, you know, a place where you're going to have some time to actually do something fun. Um, so anyway, so I'd kind of been like asking the missus about it. And I was like, I think we could do this thing. We could do this. And so finally I booked a gig that was in, I think like Destin, Destin, Florida. And, um, and it was kind of a smaller thing where I was able to like uh, kind of I'd worked with the client before I knew I was it, it was something where I could kind of keep an eye on her and you know it was right there on the beach and so uh so brought my oldest and we we when she was eight and so we dubbed it the eight is great trip hmm. and and so then we're like that went really well that was fun and so then the next year my wife took her on the uh what I believe is now called the nine is fine trip and so uh, I think they went to. Uh, I think they went to Vegas. I know that sounds Holy bad. Yeah. But here's well, there's a reason why. They went to uh they were really big into Dancing with the Stars and uh, oh, there's yeah. a big like dancing with the Stars show out there. So they went they went to see that. Um and uh, maybe gambled or something. I don't know what you do. a <laughs> nine year old. So uh so they do that trip and then um and then so it's just like like at the time I had taken hundreds of trips uh in my life and uh, I was just like, that was the funnest trip that mm. I'd ever been on. It was mm. such a flash. Just her and I, uh, like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want for dinner? Like, it's not a, it's not a, a democracy where we have to decide amongst the whole family. Like <laughs> right. we to choose. Do, like whatever you want to do, let's do that. And, uh, so, so since then we've kind of just made it a deal of like every year, um, my wife and I rotate and each year we take each girl on a one-on-one trip to, um, to wherever they want to go and, uh, like within reason. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. we like the parameters we kind of put, like, we typically do two nights. Um, we, uh, uh because i travel a decent amount we've racked up a lot of, of of travel miles and points and so a lot of times there's not a ton of out of pocket for it um sometimes we're flying somewhere sometimes uh, we're just driving somewhere my uh, our middle daughter doesn't actually like flying she gets a little she has deals with all like nerves and anxiety in general so mm-hmm. uh, we've done a couple trips that are just drive trips for her um and so really it's just kind of we kind of talk through and kind of kick around like what they might be interested in what they might want to do um so we have done trips at this point. Uh, like the first year, my youngest, she, let's see, I think the first trip we did with her, she was like six, and um, I was like, all right, she's a little young. So what her and I ended up doing was we uh, we live outside Nashville, we're about a half hour from the city, and so we just we got a hotel for one night, and her and I stayed downtown, and. Uh, you know, a half hour from our house. And we did all of her favorite things. We went ice skating and played miniature golf and, and went out to eat at a restaurant or wherever she wanted, you know, and, um, got ice cream and, and got donuts the next morning and that, that type of thing. Um, and so each year, like we do these one-on-one trips. So this, at the time of this recording, this particular year, I will take our middle daughter on a trip and, uh, my wife will take the youngest and the oldest on a trip. And then next year we rotate and we just, we keep rotating. And, uh, I'm telling you, man, it is so much fun. It is one of the things that we all look forward to most each year. Is these opportunities to yeah. like have these one-on-one experiences with our kids that uh, hopefully they'll look back on, you know, years from now and, and really, uh, really treasure.
0: Yeah, dude, I I took Elijah with me on a trip, uh, speaking trip recently, and it was just like. A same thing, man. It was just one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. And I saw a different side of my son. I think like we parent as a you know big team, like we're just trying to keep every the whole family kind of organized, but you see different Five. sides of your kids. Yeah. And you just see yeah. different sides of your kids when it's just one-on-one. Um, I love that you're doing that, man. That's, that's amazing. I want to go back to like you starting the the business, the speaking business, or or even transitioning. Like you started out as a youth pastor in youth ministry and then transitioned from that into um, speaking more and then from speaking into kind of more of a coaching and uh, role for people who want to get into speaking. But Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I hear a lot in our Dad Tired closed group on Facebook is there's a lot of guys who like, They've got the nine to five job. They're just, they know they need to provide for their family and like just get the money so that they can take care of their family. But they've also got this like dream kind of stirring inside of them. Um, But it's just too scary to feel like, at what point do you realize I should go after this? um, Even though it's risky or I just stick with my like nine to five job because that's what's safe and going to provide for the bills. Do you have any, you, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: 100%. And I can um, give some context just from my own story and kind of background. I think that'll help. So, um, in high school, I was really involved in my local church. My youth pastor had a big impact on my life. And uh, I was like, I want to do that. Like, that seems like a cool gig. And uh, if I can help um, students uh, the way he's helped me, like that, that seems incredibly rewarding. And so, uh, went to Bible college and then right afterwards got a, a gig at a a church and as a youth pastor and had a lot of opportunities to speak and, and um, uh, for the most part, enjoyed, enjoyed the speaking side of it, felt like I was decent at it. And, and uh, I know that, you know, you probably have a, a decent number of people who are in ministry or, or come from some type of ministry background and uh, ministry is not for the faint of heart. And right. so uh, it wasn't too many months into it. I was like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. Because <laughs> right. uh, like, you know, part, again, parts of it are great, but parts of it were, were really, really hard. Like the, the the senior pastor that we worked for um, was uh, was not the best guy to work for. And um, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And so we'd been there about a year. Um, my wife's pregnant and we find out, out she's pregnant. There's nothing like bringing a kid into the world that just causes you to question everything. And so Seriously. really just kind of like, all right, is this really what I want to be doing with my life? And so I started kind of um, asking around to um, you know friends and colleagues and people who were youth pastors at other churches. And I'm like, uh, does anybody like this role? Does anybody <laughs> like what they're doing? Are you all struggling like I am and um, uh, thinking like, I man, I know they're not. I know there's good churches out there and I know there's good opportunities out there, but it sure seems like a, a there's a lot of people who are having a tough time um, doing this thing. And so uh, so ultimately, um, I, I, at the time we were living in Missouri and I attended a, um, a National Youth Workers Conference that happened to be in, in Nashville, where, which is again where we live coincidentally now. And I remember sitting in this session, this workshop, I don't remember what the session was about. I don't even remember who the speaker was. But I remember them, the, the speaker saying something to the effect of, if you don't enjoy at least 80% of what you're doing, you should leave. And I remember thinking like, I remember kind of like looking around, around the room thinking like, we're all youth pastors. Like nobody enjoys 80% of what they're doing. Like, what, (laughs) what what are you talking about? But I just, I vividly remember like leaving that session and calling my wife and saying like, and we'd already kind of been having this conversation. So it wasn't like a blindside or anything, but I was like, I, th- I think we're out. Like I don't have zero clue what's next, but I don't think this is it. And she's like, okay. Um, and so I came back from that trip and turned in my resignation and a few weeks later we, we were out. So, um, so let's, let's paint the picture here for context. Uh, I spent four years going to Bible college, spend. That tens of thousands of dollars, lots of time on this thing. Uh, I get into it. I'm there for a year and a half and realize like, eh, this isn't really what I want to do. I, I know that not every church is perfect, but there's, uh, there's certainly a bunch out there that don't seem to be uh, anywhere near perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not sure if this is what I want to do, and I'm not sure what I'd rather be doing. And my wife's five months pregnant, and I just quit my job. So everyone around us, naturally so, is like have you thought this through? <laughs> right, Like what the heck and, are you doing, dude? Yeah, yeah. like, at the, And looking back, like, yeah, I, I, I thought I had thought it through, but now that I don't have an income and my wife's five months pregnant, like it, it does seem like this. Was she working day. at the time or was she? Yeah. Uh, like, um, she, I'm trying to remember her, like you'd done like some hodgepodge stuff. Like she went to cosmetology school. She was a hairstylist for a little while, but, uh, as, uh, pregnancy was always pretty rough on her. And so I remember as we got closer and closer to to her due date, like she was just not in in great shape and no condition to to work. So uh, basically what I ended up doing for the next several months is I worked just a series of of odd jobs. Like I worked for uh, a a security company doing like residential security sales, basically, Um, like a lot of like door to door sales type stuff. And... I worked at a, a couple different fine dining restaurants as a server. Um, and part of it was just to buy time and just kind of a um, lick my wounds a little bit and, and give me a minute to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I really like uh, looking back and I've, I've said this before, but that those like those nine months of just working these odd jobs, uh, daughters born and just figuring out like, what do I want to do with my life? You know, like it would be easy to go back to the default of, okay, I went to school for this. Let's just go find another one. Let's just suck it up and deal with it. But is that really what I want to do? Uh, And so ultimately decided like, I I want to be a speaker. Like I want to do this thing as a speaker. I I enjoyed speaking. Speaking was one of those things I was good at and I wanted to do more of. Um, And so ultimately decided to pursue a career in that. And so looking back, it was such a pivotal point of there was nothing on paper that made sense for me to do that other than like, I think I can make this work and I'm passionate about this. I'm interested in this. I want to do this. I'm going to bust my butt to do this uh, and pursue that. It would have been much safer to say, let's just find another church. Let's just, um, I'll just keep working at a restaurant or I'll just keep doing whatever. And yeah, there's absolutely like that side of it. Like it wasn't like, all right, I'm going to quit my Youth pastor gig, and let's just stay unemployed for a long time. Then eventually, hopefully, speaking magically works out. Like it wasn't like that. Like all these this hodgepodge of jobs was uh, was just buying me time. Like I still have to eat and live indoors and provide for the family. Uh, and so as I'm as I'm building up my own speaking business, then um, uh, those other jobs just give me some freedom and flexibility to be able to do that. So uh, the whole time I was just thinking, like, man, I'd, I'd even if this is a train wreck, I'd rather it be a train wreck and know at least I tried than to get back to the end of my life and be like. I think I could have given that speaking thing a, a run, but I, I'll never know because I didn't try. So, um, yeah, it was a brutal season and a brutal stretch. But uh, I even recently, in fact, my mom told us, like, yeah, looking back on that, like, I legit thought you were going to have to move in with me because I was like, <laughs> what are they doing? I was like, yeah, I, that's fair. I understand that. So, yeah. it, looked, it worked out. But like, at the time, like, we're not, you know, you know, even today, like, we're not guaranteed success. Like, we have a good business, the whole thing could collapse tomorrow. So, um, that's, you know,
0: that's, that's part of it. Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of that probably has to do too with the, the attitude of your wife and just giving you the flexibility of like, all right, I'm going to let you buy some time <laughs> doing these odd jobs. Um, a lot of our wives want stability. Like that's one of the greatest gifts I think we can give our wife. It seems as I'm, um, I've got less married time under my belt than you do. But one thing I'm learning is like, just giving your wife stability, which is hard, even as Christians, like we don't know what tomorrow holds and we want to be keep our hands open enough to wherever God would lead us. Um, but having a wife that's just like, all right, I'm going to give you some space to kind of figure out who you are. There's so many dudes who are still like, you know, I'm in my 30s, 40s, whatever, late 20s. And it's just like I still have no idea what I want to do when I grow up. And so having a wife that's gives you kind of that, that space to do that and and to figure that out is huge, I guess if you could like boil it down, like in your opinion for the dude that's listening, who's like, I'm in my nine to five, I hate it, but it pays the bills. But like, I, there's other things that I would love to chase after, but I'm scared to death. Like what, what would you tell that dude right now?
1: Yeah so a couple things one is the, whatever the like the, the side passion is the side thing that that you're doing um figure out if, if there is a business there or if it's fine with it just being a hobby right there's nothing wrong with doing something like it's just a hobby it's just fun so i'll give you an example um i really enjoy golf i really enjoy playing golf i enjoy geeking out on golf um i, I spend a lot of time thinking about and looking up golf gadgets and gear and uh like all that I just geek out on, on golf stuff right so uh, there's one side of me that's like, man, what can we do that turns this into some type of business? Uh, and the other side of me is like, it it doesn't have to be a business. Like it, yeah. it's just a hobby, and it's just it's really fun, and just let it be a hobby. Like I'm not making a tour, and I'm not uh, trying to sell some type of golf gadget or gizmo. Like it just it's just a really fun thing I enjoy, and that's fine. That's that's all that it is. So recognize some things that. That that's what they are. It's a little side thing and it's, it's fun and it, it scratches that itch. Um, but it doesn't have to be anything more or less than, than that. Uh, the other side of it is also recognizing that, um, if you, if you want to go down the entrepreneurial route, if you want to do, you know, especially if you want to do your own thing, that you have to recognize, um, a couple sides of the equation. You and I have, have talked about this before. Uh, for both of our businesses, that uh, I, I've used the analogy that uh, Michael Gerber talks about in his book, E-Myth, where he talks about the difference between um, baking pies and running a bakery. Mm-hmm. Just because someone's really, really good at baking pies, uh, that is a very different skill set than actually running the bakery. Right. So if I said, you know, for example, you and I, we enjoy speaking. That's, that's our pie baking. We are bakers of, of speaking, right? We enjoy that. But If we don't understand how to run the bakery, which means finding and booking speaking gigs and sharing our message and running the business side of it, then no longer do we get to keep making pies. No longer do we get to keep speaking. And so just because you're passionate about the art side of whatever it is that you do, the product or the service, you have to also understand that you're running a business. And that's also a different skill set. And so it's it's so much more than just like, I just want to bake pies. That's all I want to do is just bake pies. It's like, that's great. But if you just give pies away to everyone, like you can't bake pies anymore. You're out of business. And so you have to recognize that the the running the bakery side of, of things, uh, of what it is that you want to do. So, uh, so if the, if it's something that you're like, yeah, I think there, there's something here. Like there's something to, uh, that I can, I can make this, this, this leap. And, and by leap, I, you know, I, uh, I've part of being an entrepreneur is you, you, you take some risk, but it's never like, all right. We're going to just go for broke here and push all the chips in and see what magically happens. Like, I don't recommend that at all. Cause even as I was building my, my speaking business from the beginning, it was, uh, I'm working a couple of different odd jobs and I'd get a, a couple of, of speaking gigs on my own. And then I might quit one of the restaurants I was working at. And then I might get a few more speaking gigs and I might quit the other restaurant I was working at. And I get a few more speaking gigs and then I'm quitting the, the sales job, the, the security sales job. And, it's like, it's, it's never just this, like I quit this thing on Friday and then on Monday it all magically works out. It's like, yeah. it was a couple of years of slowly transitioning from one thing to the next thing, but taking, um, incremental steps of bravery towards that, um, versus just sitting on the sideline and hoping that it, it all works out. Uh, so I, I would just really evaluate, you know, if, um, if you, if you want to just keep baking pies, just bake pies that's fine but if you want to run a bakery again recognize like that's a that's a different thing and
0: um like just know what you're signing up for yeah that's super good advice dude and again i think it's helpful to to like have those conversations with your wife and really evaluate like where are we trying to go as a family and what do we value as a family and if it's time together like that changes uh like if, if you're saying you know, we just want us to fill up as much money as we can so that we can, uh, retire super early, then maybe there's, that changes your perspective on what avenue you go to get money. Or if it's like, no, I want to be home more with the kids while they're young, then that change. Like there's all kinds of variables, but I think it's yeah. helpful to like sit down with your wife and be like, what what are we actually trying to accomplish in this next 10 year season of our life? And then what jobs make sense to help us get to those goals? Um, yeah, like, yeah I, go well,
1: And just to piggyback on that, like I think it's it's so important for you to begin with the end in mind, and like remember you get to decide the rules of the game of what makes sense for you. So for example, um, you know I really enjoy entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurship can look a lot of different forms. You know, there's a lot of like one man bands and they don't want a team, they don't want a bunch of other people. They I want to do this one thing and I want to make my art and run the bakery and that's it, and that's fine. And other people who say like no no I want it some billion dollar enterprise, uh, and that's also fine. And everything in between. Is fine, but you have to decide what makes sense for you and what it is that you want to do based on the, the you know the kind of life that you want to have. Uh, and so, my wife and I have been very intentional about like we love freedom, we love flexibility, we love autonomy, we like uh, travel, we like experiences, and so we're building our life around those things. That the business supports those things, not the other way around. Uh, and so. Like, be really, really clear about what what it is that you like, what you want your life to look like, and then be able to, and then start taking those, those steps to, to make that happen.
0: Yeah, that's great advice, man. Um, I, I want to go back just as, um, a little bit in your story from the time you left the youth pastor role and kind of jumped into uh, other positions outside of the church. Uh, a lot of people feel, and I, I remember feeling this way when I first left kind of the, the church world as far as being on staff, um, that's like, well, I I guess you're no longer in paid ministry. Like you're going to do less ministry now, Um, (laughs) which I I can't even say that with a straight face, you know, now in hindsight. But uh, for you, like, do you feel like ministry and creed, did you feel like you were doing more ministry as a youth pastor or more ministry now not working in the church world? And that's kind of a jaded question, but I think you get
1: what I'm trying to say. I 100% get it because I, I wrestled with the same thing of, okay, and I think that's what like, um that those 9 months of kind of you know my quote unquote wandering in the desert um of figuring out what I wanted to do a lot of it was also wrestling with like all right uh, I went to Bible college I uh was a youth pastor I want to be a youth pastor I feel like this is something I've been called to do if I don't if I do anything else other than being a youth pastor am I being disobedient am mm. I doing something wrong am I going outside of God's will and like all those type of just those real questions, you know, that, um, you, you are trying to wrestle with and trying to think through. And so, um, where I ultimately kind of landed again, this is just, this is me personally. When, when people, uh, I had a guy reach out to me the other day, uh, and he said, um, he said, man, I feel like God's calling me to speak. What do you think? I was like, well, if God's telling you to do something. Like my opinion means nothing. So uh, there's nothing I can really bring to the table for you. Uh, other than I can help you know how to speak and what to do next. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But don't ask my vote if you've already got God's vote. So yeah. basically, um, uh, trying to think through like, um, okay, if I go out and speak, am uh, am I being disobedient? Am I doing something wrong? You know. And so, fast forward to today, and I know that uh, as a speaker. Uh, that I've spoke to hundreds of thousands of people in person, and uh, I've gotten countless emails and cards and letters and hugs and high fives, and you know, from people who've told me about the impact that I've I've made in their world as a speaker, as an audience member, you know, and uh, I've also with what we do now with uh, the speakers that we've worked with, and so you know, I know that we've had a a very 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 small. Um, uh, piece to play like in your speaking business. So I know that every time you go out and speak that we had a very, very, very small piece to play with that, you know, that we contributed in some way to that. So the people that you've been able to impact, that the uh, opportunities that speaking has given you and your family. Um, uh, so I know like just multiplied out like, man, we've really been able to make a, a big difference. Um, and I would also say this isn't the end all be all, but um, you know, at the time of this recording, we we were just kind of, uh, I was talking with our our, our bookkeeper and, and CPA the other day um, and we're kind of going over some taxes stuff and we're kind of reviewing some end of the year uh, financials. And we gave uh, this past year more than what my salary was as a youth pastor. Hmm. And, and again, I don't say that as like a, a pat on the back or anything like that, but just to say like, I know that the business that we have today has also given us uh, an opportunity to really give and invest significantly to uh, to help other people. So. Um, I don't know that it's like an apples to apples of like you know. Well, if you have a, a, a you know youth group of 50 people, but you are able to do this in the business world or speaking like, then that's you know one's weighted more than the other. Um, but I do know absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, that what we have done in business and quote unquote the marketplace that we've we've had an impact and that we've made a difference and that um, you know that we've been able to to invest and and help uh, to help have an impact on people's lives.
0: Yep. And, and I think that uh, the, the heartbeat behind that question is really just to remind guys who are listening, like, dude, the, the amount of ministry that can happen in a non-quote-unquote ministry, paid ministry role is just insane if you start to see yourself yeah. as someone who wants to advance God's kingdom wherever you are. And I think for guys like you and I, it's not necessarily that the churches are bad people places to work. I think our personalities just don't really fit well within that context, and God can use us in even bigger ways when we're, we kind of live out the way we were designed outside of that role. And so just, like, for every, any dude that's listening, just like, man, God, wherever God has placed you, um, and wherever you can kind of lean into your wiring for His kingdom, like, it, it doesn't matter, you know, who's writing your paycheck. We're all missionaries uh, for the glory of God. So... Uh, I want to dive into the the speaking side of things because this is kind of your expertise and what you're helping out with people or helping people out with. Um, You've helped me tremendously just as a speaker, but I know a lot of guys are listening who would be like, not a chance in the world could I ever be a speaker. That's like for the elite or I need some like huge book or platform or something. And one thing that I've learned working with you is like, honestly, almost anybody and i won't say everybody because we've met people who are like ah you probably shouldn't be a speaker but but there are a lot of people who is like man you didn't have any kind of platform you don't have no like so big social media following or book and yet they're crushing it as speakers talking about things that they're really passionate about so maybe yeah. help that guy who's listening who thinks you know i guess i would maybe toy around with the idea of speaking but i can't even imagine where i would start
1: yeah, that's a great question. So uh, the nice thing with speaking, uh, and this kind of touches on some of the entrepreneurial stuff we were talking about earlier, is there's no right or wrong way to do it. Like we both know people who speak a hundred times a year, and that's what they want to do. And others who are like, I I don't want to do that, but I you know I have a um, I already have a, a business or a career or family or whatever. But I wouldn't mind speaking. I don't know, you know, five times, seven times, ten times a year, uh, and and just do that. And both work, both are effective, both can can both both are correct. It's not that one is better or worse than the other. Again, you just have to decide what makes sense for you. And so, uh, you know, when people come to us and say, hey, I'm I'm interested in this topic or I'm interested in doing a little bit of speaking, you know, can I do this? It's like, yeah, I'm I am continually amazed at the number of of opportunities that exist, the different niches and marketplaces that that exist. Uh and so the one of the most important things for you to do is to just get really, really clear on on um, on And this is one thing we talk about inside the book of getting clear on who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve versus just saying like, well, I, just, I just want to speak, you know, um, I, I'd speak to anybody about anything like that. That doesn't work. You know, you have right. to solve a very specific problem for a very specific audience instead of trying to be all things for all people. Uh, and to your point that people assume like you, you need some type of prerequisite in order to speak. Um, you need to, you know, be the, have this huge charismatic personality. You need to be this, this raging extrovert. You need to have, uh, you need to have won a gold medal. You need to be a war hero. You need to, um, you know, compete in the Olympics or conquer cancer or climb Mount Everest in your shorts blindfolded. Like I, I don't <laughs> check the box on any of those things. Like I'm a white male who from the Midwest, who's had a pretty normal average life. Like I mentioned, my parents got a divorce. And that's about the extent of, of what I've gone through. Never broken a bone in my body. Like never had cancer. Been pretty healthy. Like got a good marriage. Got good kids. Like, knock on wood. But like, I don't know, man. I'm, it's pretty vanilla over here. Like, there's just not a lot <laughs> to be like, oh, dude, that that guy should be a speaker. He has a story to tell. Like, it's, it's not the case at all. Uh, and so, don't feel like you need to have you know check the box on those things in order to be a speaker. Uh, in addition, like one of the things we talk about is like, you, you, and again, you kind of touched on this that we assume. That whenever someone says, you know, uh, be a speaker, we think of like, you know, stadiums or arenas or like tens of thousands of people like I could never do that or I'm never as good as they are. But like there are plenty of opportunities that you and I have both spoke at with a handful of people, 50 people, 100 people, 10 people, one person um, that they don't have the budget or the wherewithal to bring in some speaker that charges you know, $50,000. But they're looking for a really solid speaker, and they have $1,000 or $500 or $2,500. Uh, and they're still looking for a solid speaker. So there are uh, a lot of opportunities in the faith-based space and outside of the faith-based space. Um, and, and so that's the, the core of what we try to do today is teach people, um, whoever wants to speak at whatever
0: capacity, we want to walk through exactly how you can go about doing that. That's awesome, dude. Well, uh, Grant, you've been... I've got like a handful of people in my life who I look to when I need some good wisdom and you're in that group, man. And I'm just grateful for your friendship and uh, for sharing some of that wisdom with our listeners. You've got your book out that comes out tomorrow. So if you're listening to this episode, uh, the his book, uh, Grant's book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform will, will release tomorrow. We've got a link in the show notes that you can grab that book. But dude... Thank you, man. You've got all kinds of wisdom. I know we only scratched the surface here, but I appreciate you giving us some of your time today, man. Hey, man. Always enjoy chatting
1: with you. Big fan uh, of you and the, the dad-tired world. And uh, yeah, anytime we can talk shop or life or dads or, or parenting or any of that stuff, I'm, I'm always game.
0: Appreciate you, dude.